in Nehemiah when they were called to rebuild the walls to their city to come home, to have safety and refuge. There's a spot for everybody and there's a place for everyone. And even if we're holding an umbrella and a hammer instead of our sword and a hammer, (laughs) they're out there building because they know that we're called to have that refuge and that as a church, we've kind of dropped the ball in a little bit in providing those places. We've thought that's somebody else's problem. That's happening over there. That's not for us. And it is. It's happening right here in every community across the United States. And when we open our eyes, we can't close them again. Eight Days of Hope is heading to Fort Myers, Florida this May to help rebuild homes following the devastation of Category 4 Hurricane Ian. Hurricane Ian was the third costliest disaster ever in America, destroying thousands of homes and taking the lives of 149 people. Eight Days of Hope is a story of people coming together, all using the gifts of God has blessed them with to love and to serve those facing disaster. As it says in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure, friend, to have you here. Eight Days of Hope is no stranger. We have had them on before. Disasters about Houston and Mississippi area. We've talked about their recovery and relief efforts, which is incredible work. And it all started simply back in 2005 with a phone call from a father to a son after the devastation of Hurricane Katrina. It was just an idea for a few people to get together to take a trip to the Gulf Coast and rebuild a home or two. But what happened is a God-sized story, a volunteer effort of 684 people loving and serving 84 families. And then it just kept growing. 2014, it started with a rapid response arm to respond to 48 to 72 hours after a disaster strikes. 2016, they added a distribution feeding ministry, shower ministry, and laundry ministry. And in 2018, there were plans to build a national headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi, which is there. That's a stone's throw away. We'll say hi to our friends, the Wildmans. Tim and his dad, Don Wildman, longtime friends of Bot Radio Network. And then in the fall of 2019, this is exciting, they launched their newest arm of the ministry, building or remodeling safe houses for survivors of human trafficking. And that's why we got together today with two wonderful ministries. Katrin Valencia is with A Way Out. She's the executive director. And Hannah Fletcher is with Eight Days of Hope. And these ladies have been out in the mud, and they've been (laughs) slinging, I don't know if they've been slinging concrete or not. I don't know if you even sling concrete, but anyway, they've been in the trenches of building, and we've got some exciting things to talk about. Welcome, ladies, to Mid-South Viewpoint on Bot Radio Network. Thanks for having us. Yes, we're excited to be here. Katrin, you and I have been on this program before, and we've shared about the wonderful work that God does through A Way Out Ministries. The mission of A Way Out is to combat sexual exploitation, inform our citizens of the harm of pornography, and rescue and restore the exploited. You still doing that? Yes, we are. We're going into 31 years, to God be the glory. Prostitution tends to take place in hidden places. Mm-hmm. But it has negative impacts felt across our culture and our community. What are these negative impacts? And specifically, maybe our listeners aren't even aware, not even on their radar, that it's negatively impacting us. Yeah, a lot of times when I go and speak, we actually had a groundbreaking this week with Eight Days of Hope there. And um, one of the survivors that spoke, they're staying at a church in Covington, the group is, and she's from right around there. And so a lot of times people think, oh, this only happens overseas, or this only happens in the inner city in our country. But no, this is happening in every community. And it impacts us because these are children of God. These are God's Mm -hmm. children. And so we are called to have compassion, right? And to reach those and go into the highways and the byways and to reach those. And so it should impact each and every one of us. 
Well, 244,000 to 325,000 American youth are considered at risk for sexual exploitation. What percentage of that would you consider youth who live in our neighborhood right here in Memphis? A great percentage. I mean, I don't have a number, but I'm going to tell you, I worked in juvenile court for 18 years, um, not in Memphis, but in Chicago. And so I would see 11, 12, 13-year-old girls coming to court with their uncles that was really their pimp. They prey on the vulnerable. They prey on those that are in foster care, those that are in DCS, those that come from broken homes, and even those who come from good homes but that may um, be in a rebellion or things like that. I've, I've had parents call that come from very, very good homes, but these traffickers are very good at what they do. They groom people. A lot of times we think of that movie Taken and we think that they just come in and abduct you. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen because it does, but they're very good at what they do. They will groom, they will um, go on social media, they will target people, they will watch people's posts. And so if, if you are posting things that you're having a difficult time or your depression or you're struggling with mental illness, they know what they're looking for. And so they will stalk and they will groom and they will be kind of that person that will come in and take care of you. Well, A Way Out Ministry, as you mentioned, was founded over 30 years ago, back in 1992. Mm -hmm. I know the ministry's grown in the past 30 years, obviously. What are some of the outreaches and services that it has grown into today and is providing our women? Yeah, so we um, go and do outreach twice a month to venues that are known for sexual exploitation. We go to the streets, Sycamore View, we go into hotels, we go into the strip clubs, we go out on what's called the track, which is a street that's known for prostitution. And we do outreach there and we, we love on people, give them roses, give them gift bags. You know, we meet them where they're at. I mean, right? you go to the Super Bowl. I mean, we go to the Super Bowl every year. Yes. We didn't go this year um, because we had some new staff come in, but we definitely go to the Super Bowl every year. A safe living environment mm -hmm. is really conducive to the healing mentally and emotionally. And it's so vital to that road to recovery. Yeah. That's why there's a special building project that's taking place now. We've talked about the miracle of the yes. ground that God provided. Man, why don't we just recap for a second, remind people what God's provided for yeah. a way out to have this wonderful facility. So in 2010, our ministry was given a house and we have done residential care. We opened the first safe house here in Memphis and we have up to a capacity of up to six women, sex trafficked women that in a Christian environment. And when I came on board two years ago, um, I was asked to write a vision and a proposal. And the board, our board graciously just jumped on board and we uh, cast a vision to open a campus. And so we started looking for land, started praying. And I had been in communication with the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home CEO for the last three, four years about a piece of property that was about an hour. We never say the location, but within an hour of Memphis and went and met with him. It took three, four years, but when I came onto a way out, they gave us a little over 82 acres that they donated to our ministry to build a campus to serve more women. Wow, so, so exciting. It, 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 I'll tell you, the day I got that email, I my head hit the table and I was just weeping and thanking the Lord. And I've been texting him all week. Um, and actually, their vice president stopped by this week during the build because we'll, we'll talk about what we're doing this week. But he stopped by and they're just so excited and to be part of this and and to see a dream, just a 20 year dream of myself and Carol Wiley who was, has been on staff for um, almost since the beginning, just a dream come true for these ladies. It's so exciting. And so this is where Hannah comes in, yes. Eight Days of Hope, because back in 2019, this is when you guys started engaging the need to help mm -hmm. build or rebuild these safe houses for women. Hannah, talk about that desire and a little bit of the background for that for you guys. 
Yeah, so we became aware of the need to help human trafficking. We serve disaster victims, and we realized there's natural disasters mm. and there's human disasters, mm. and this is a human disaster, and that we as a church need to become more aware of the problems going on and play a role in the solution to help. Um, and at Eight Days of Hope, we aren't called to operate these facilities. We get a lot of calls, are you guys running a facility here or here? And that's not what God's called us to do. He's equipped each one of us differently. He gave us the ability to work with our hands. We have um, a database of over 50,000 volunteers, and many of those are skilled construction professionals. And one of the things we realized is that there is not enough capacity to house survivors of human trafficking. When they decide, I want freedom, and they take that bold first step, oftentimes they're met with a jail cell or a holding center or a place of not safety and refuge and healing, but a place where they can just go and lay their head at night. And that's not what we want. We want to do better. They deserve a beautiful place to go. And so we decided to meet with organizations along this journey that were doing this and serving survivors well and help them increase their capacity. They shouldn't have to worry about a building project. They should be able to devote all of their energy to the healing of the survivors in their care. Well, as a moment ago, Katrin alluded to pimps that control these women. They tell them when to wake up, where to go, what to do, what's time to eat. So being pulled out of that, coming to an environment like you're saying that a way out is going to be providing these women, I just can't imagine, Katrin. The first week of seeing a woman, we just did a rescue last week and young, you know, and to see them come in broken, battered and bruised. It's hard in the beginning because they're still using their old way of survival Mm -hmm. um, of manipulation, of acting out. I mean, she threw a temper tantrum to get her way because um, that's how she's gotten her way her whole life. You know, we don't look at it as a temper tantrum. We look at it as trauma and that she is, you know, literally coming out of survival. And so we teach them to come out of survival that you're not called to survive, you're called to thrive. You don't have to display those types of behaviors here. And a lot of times the behavior is they're testing you to push you away to see if you will, because they've been hurt so much. Yes. And so. Hannah, I don't know how many ministries like A Way Out across the country are trying to build safe houses. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how many of those are. It's just enormous. And your phone's just ringing off the wall. Can you come <laughs> help us help us? How do you determine who you're going to help? So there's organizations across the nation that are actually seeking help. We're booked through 2024, which is just a crazy thing to think that I know there's more people out there that need help and we don't have the ability to help everyone right now, which is just heartbreaking. But we have a process that's on our website, actually. You can go to aidaysofhope.com right now. And if you're an organization that says, we do this, we need capacity building, we want to get on that list, our application's there. We're looking for organizations that are sustainable and we're looking for ones that are grounded in their community. Community plays such a huge role in the success of an organization. And the more community partners they have, often the better they do. Yeah. Um, we're looking for organizations. Um, you don't have to be an old, longstanding organization. As long as you have that leadership, you have the knowledge. It's not just raising money for a capital fund. It's how are you going to house that? Do you have enough to care for those survivors and to care for them well? Yes. Um, so we're looking at those types of things. We're looking at what kind of project you want to do. We don't just help with residential. So we've done six what I call care centers. They're more drop-in facilities, counseling centers where they'll be doing equine therapy or maybe it's a social enterprise, those types of things. And we've done five residential homes as wow. well. So we've done a little bit of both. Of course, this is going to be more of a social enterprise. Mm -hmm. And our next project is actually an entire campus for children. So oh. girls ages 14 through 19 who are rescued. So it'll be both a mix yeah. of residential and, and commercial. That is so beautiful. So what has impressed you most since you've been here in Memphis 
I'm not talking about the barbecue, of course, that's the best. <laughs> mm. But when you met Katrin, you, you saw the mission of A Way Out Ministry. What's some standouts to you about this work? The passion. It is so easy to have burnout in this area. I first came in and I was overwhelmed with the emotions of learning about human trafficking and diving into this sector and the heaviness of it. It's easy to get weighed down and there's no one weighed down at a way out. They are passionate. They are productive. Um, If we said, hey, we'd really love to have this. It's there for us as we serve them, which is just amazing. They've pushed every limit they needed to to get us here and to do everything in excellence. It's not cutting quarters or going around. I can tell that if they put the same level of care that they did into us coming here into their survivor care, there's a reason their survivors are so successful. Well, that's beautiful. Well, in, in Katrin, I'm assuming that you already had an architect who's laid out the design of the property. So you guys just kind of determine what part of that project that Eight Days of Hope is going to do. Are you here from start to finish? Uh, what's the process? I would love to be here from start to finish. <laughs> we are so excited. We're, we're getting it in the dry is what they call it. So we're doing the framing, the roofing, the window installation, and the house wrap. Every county is a little bit different on like electrical and plumbing. And some people don't like to share that. So you have your licensed contractors here locally that'll do that. So in 14 days, all the walls will be up, the roof will be on, the inside will be framed out, the house wrap will be on, and it'll be essentially usable dwelling just without electricity. You know, I needed eight days of hope to help me. We bought a house back in March. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And we're still building it. We're still working. It's a a rebuild, too. I came out in the morning, and then I came back out in the afternoon, and Mm -hmm. every wall was up. And, I mean, you can follow on our social media at A Way Out and just see the progress just in two and a half days. And, well, we're on day four, but really half a day on Sunday because Mm -hmm. we we're all in church together. And so it's just incredible how fast and I, you know, I go out every day. And it's like a well oiled machine. I mean, these guys, you can tell that they're family, there are guys that have been I've been on every safe house build. Um, these are people that give two weeks of their vacation time, like they literally do this for a living, where they're from. Oh. And they're from all over the country. And they drive here and they come here to serve on their vacation time. Some of them have their kids here and their wives here. And it's just an incredible I am so blown Mm -hmm. away by their mission and we just have to we did have to provide the architectural drawings so we uh, partnered with renaissance group who you know donated a lot of their services so a plug and shout out to them they've been amazing and then we provided the materials and then we have a general contractor who's been working closely with them it's an incredible experience so how many team members from eight days of hope are here right now we'll have roughly 45 over the project um the youngest one's super cute she's nine months old she's my daughter (laughs) she's with me and our oldest oh gosh I don't know I'm never going to give away their ages they'd hate me for that but um, there's about 45 here and we have we bring our own cook team so they they bring all their we cook we feed you well actually pretty well ribs we call it ribs we had ribs we call it eight pounds of hope it's really good so we bring a cook team we bring a shower trailer we bring all the things that we would need to be successful and to not be a burden wherever we go we we have a wonderful host church that we're getting to stay at um, which has just been excellent and this is what they love to do like they're already asking me when's the next one can i have dates i want to register i want to go they're sleeping on a gymnasium floor they're a little crazy but i wouldn't have them any other way it's such an a humbling experience that we get to be a part of. We'll never know the impact that we make this side of heaven. And a lot of our volunteers know that we may never meet a survivor. And that's okay. We're not going to know who walks through those doors, but we know that their lives are going to be changed forever because we were willing to pick up a hammer or a saw, um, write Bible verses on the planks. Um, It's just it's humbling. It's to leave that kind of um, an impact because people are willing to say, yes, I can't do it on my own. They don't let me have the hammer, (laughs) but it's, it's a privilege to serve with all of these. 
I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. You know, often when he would write the various churches, he was a tent maker because mm-hmm. he didn't want to put a burden. He didn't want there to be a financial obligation or burden on the people that he was ministering to. Yeah. And what a act of service. I mean, that mm-hmm. just really blesses me to hear you say that. What about that, Katrin? Yeah, I, again, the first day I was trying to put into words, we pray that our kids would witness a verifiable miracle. And my kids have been on this journey for a long time. And when they sat there and they saw the cement trucks and then they saw the first wall go up, the entire team started screaming. I was speechless. I mean, I, I was talking to my best friend who's been on this journey with me and she was out there and I couldn't even cry. I was so overwhelmed. I don't know if you've ever had that happen where you're just like, why am I not crying? Why am I not crying? I just I couldn't even cry because I was so no, I was oh. so overwhelmed whelmed and I went out the first night as they were pulling out I pulled in and I went and put my face on the cement and I put on a worship music and I'm in the middle of nowhere it's there's nobody out there then it just happened I cried so hard I was <laughs> I was just crying just thanking the Lord just worshiping and just asking God God this is holy ground would you please send us the women send those that are broken send those that are hurting would they find redemption here would they find their identity in Christ here and so I think God just allowed it to be an intimate moment with just me and him and saying thank you just feels so inadequate like thank you to eight days of hope you know they're all saying to us we couldn't do what you do and I'm like I can't do what you do but together Yes. Right. When mm. the body of Christ comes together, Christ, yes. there's no need. And, the, and and I don't know why we act surprised because the Bible says that. But I don't ever want to lose my awe and wonder. I don't ever mm. want to not be just grateful. And these women, they came out the first day. They came out on Monday and started writing scripture and they're getting to be a part of history and they're going to be able to say, my handwriting is behind those walls. I was here when we put scripture. Todd, your GM, he came out when we did our land dedication and helped put scripture in the foundation before eight days of hope got here. I mean, we've had community leaders, pastors and people come to to just put the word of God all over this. That's one of the questions I had for you, Katrin. Mm -hmm. Any of the women you currently serve, are they involved in helping in the construction process in any way? Absolutely. So when we put together scripture, we had rocks and the women put all the rocks together and they they got all the scripture, they cut it out, they bound it up. And so we had the, this bucket filled. And so when we did the land dedication, they were able to put those scriptures in the foundation with pastors. We had a, a bunch of churches that were there that came and helped put those scriptures. They've also come out to the groundbreaking and they had shovels. More survivors yeah. had shovels than non-survivors. Wow. So we had two residents, one graduate, myself, and the founder of Eight Days of Hope. So they've been there and then they came out to write on the walls as well. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, of course, as we record our show today, we've got spring rain showers. Yes. What's happening on the site today, Hannah? Is this limiting progress or what's happening? Oh, no. We keep going. <laughs> um, this doesn't limit progress at all. I like to think of our job sites um, like they in Nehemiah when they were called to rebuild the walls to their yeah. city to come yeah. home, to mm-hmm. have safety and refuge. There's a spot for everybody and there's a place for everyone. And even if we're holding an umbrella and a hammer instead of our sword and a hammer, <laughs> they're out there building wow. because they know that we're called to have that refuge and that as a church, we've kind of dropped the ball in a little bit in providing those places. We've thought that's somebody else's problem. That's happening over there. That's not for us. And it is. It's happening right here in every community across the United States. And when we open our eyes, we can't close them again. It's the horrors are there. And our men out there on that job site and women, we have we have men and women out there, they're working tirelessly because they know they want to leave this project in excellence. They don't want to leave a single part of it unfinished. And if that means they work in the rain for today, they're working in the rain. We're not going to do anything unsafe, of course, but this is what they came to do. And they're not going to lose 
a moment to do it. That wall is going to get built. That house is going to get built. And we're going to start welcoming people back into safety. Oh, another beautiful word. (laughs) Well, what's the projected completion date? Do you have one? So they roll out April 1st um, will be the date that they roll out. But then we still have to finish the inside um, in terms of drywalling, electrical, plumbing, HVAC, all of that. So I would say... My goal is by July, August, having mm-hmm. occupancy. Cut the um, red ribbon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And go in. Yes. I hope to be there for that day. Yes, <laughs> you will. We'll have it off-site somewhere because we'll we'll mm-hmm. have yes. you know people from all over that will hopefully come to that. But yes. Okay. The new property and facility is there an official name yet? Yes, we're naming it after Carol Wiley. So Carol A. Wiley Campus. She has been with us since 2000 and is just uh, really built a way out from the the residential program from the ground up. In terms of the program, the women's program, it's, it's called the Meadow. And so, yeah. Okay. So you're currently able to serve in the house you started with, with six. What is the new capacity going to be? Yeah, going to be the next phase will be a 10 bedroom, 10 bathroom house. And so we'll have the capacity to serve 10 additional women. um, And that's phase one. The next phase would be women with children, and then the next phase after that would be sex trafficked minors. What are some of the programs? I know you have a lot going on already, but some of the programs that will be offered at the new facility that you can't currently offer now, maybe due to space limitations? Yeah, so we're going to be doing equine therapy. That'll be um, after the main house is built, we'll build barns, and so we want to do Christ-centered equine therapy on site. We're also going to have work opportunities for them, so we want to launch some social enterprise businesses and so that the women can work in a trauma-informed environment. They may not have the necessary soft skills that they need, and so we'll be able to do that on site, pay them, um, and they'll be able to save money and earn money. They'll also have different classes that we weren't able to do. So we're going to be doing pottery classes. We're going to be doing quilting, jewelry making, just a lot of different hands-on things. And we're also going to have livestock. So we're going to have chickens. We're going to actually raise our own. Uh, I have somebody that I'm going to be meeting with um, this summer, does livestock. So we'll have cattle. We'll have, I mean, we're going to raise our own food. So they'll have their own gardens. Each woman will have their own plot where they'll raise their own tomatoes, cucumbers, all that. And so they're going to learn healthy eating. There's a whole curriculum that we're writing about planting a seed and a harvest. God has so much to say (laughs) about all of that. And so there's a lot of things, a lot of dreams that we have. Well, instead of old MacDonald having a farm, we got Catrin. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I know nothing about it, but I'll tell you what, I surround myself with people smarter than me. So (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, you know, as a part of your mission is to assist women desiring to permanently leave sex trafficking How difficult is it for a woman involved in this industry to come to the place even to have that desire? Exceptionally difficult. You know, I told you that we had a rescue this week. She lasted three to four days, and we've been working with this woman for several years. I've been working with one woman since she was 18. She was trafficked by her mother. Stop and think about that for a minute. Her whole life, and she's now 26. She was a few weeks away from graduating, two years from a way out. It's just hard. One of my pastors said to me once, Egypt will always be calling you back. But we have seen women go back, but we have also seen women that have literally changed their lives. You would look at them and never even know that that was their past. Wow. Katrin, how can our listeners keep up with the construction progress and how can they make donations? I'm sure there's still needs. Yes. Contributions. There are huge needs. We've raised, phase one is $2.8 million. We've raised $1.7 million. 
before we start the big main house. Um, we're also going to have a pastor's house for a pastor that will live on site. Sometimes people can think, oh, I can't give to that. We have giving opportunities that are $200. We built an, an 8,000 foot perimeter fence. You, you mentioned Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. We called it the Nehemiah 3 project where a bunch of people, that's how they built the wall. It was, it was a bunch of ordinary people mm-hmm that all contributed. And so people can go to our website and give, which is um, awoministries.org. We also are in need of people to come help with the project. I mean, if you know construction people, if you know people that know how to do tile work, if you know how pe- know people that do drywall, if we just had 3,000 tons of limestone donated to us, to the glory of God, over $100,000 by faucet paving. If you have business partners, people that are in this industry that can come and donate materials, lumber, drywall. Mm-hmm. There's tons of ways. Follow us on social media to see the progress. Social media, we're trying to every day at the end of the day, kind of give a recap of where we're at right. and just exciting to see that. Hannah, what about Eight Days of Hope? Listeners want to learn more about you. Volunteer opportunities to serve not only in places like this property here, but other places around the country. Yeah. If you go to 8daysofhope.com and click on our events button, you can see all the events that we have going on. Of course, a way is going on right now in all of our safe houses. You have to be 18 and older and you complete a background check with us and you have to be skilled in construction. It's our only arm of the ministry that requires you to have some sort of skill set because we do promise a a big amount of work to these safe houses and we want to honor them and finish that. We have other ways. So if you're family and you're thinking, oh, I would love to do something like that. We have um, our rebuilding trips. You mentioned Fort Myers, Florida's coming up. I'm excited for some palm trees in May. So yes. <laughs> we'll be there. That is family friendly. Bring your whole family, come and join us. Um, and we'll be doing a ton of different work in that community. And we're actually going to be in one giant neighborhood. So you'll be able to look down the street and see 10 or 15 homes that have eight days of hope people working on them as they rebuild wow. and recover from her. Ian. And we just actually launched a mass feeding ministry. So if you're interested in food, we would love to have you. We offer trainings. All of that's on the website for you to get involved. And if, if you're looking, our goal is for you to partner with A Way Out. You're in this area. You're in this community. We would love for you to get involved with yes, us, yes. but get involved with them. There's something for everyone to do. Like Katrin was saying, it was everyone coming together that built the wall. And so if you're thinking, oh, I probably could get involved with that project, but you're not sure what that would look like, pray about it. Because right now there's a plan and a purpose. Maybe you can't donate all the drywall, but you can heavily discount it. Or maybe you can come install it and send a crew out there for a couple of days. There's something to do. And you don't want to miss this opportunity to say yes to God and to be a part of this legacy. Hannah, Katrin, God bless you, my dear sisters. Thank you for what you're both doing for Christ's kingdom, for his glory and honor through Way Out's new facility. I love it. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. It's been so fun. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.